live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York on Monday, October 23rd, 2023. I'm Gianna Volpe. Robert Free, the LIRR's acting president, still remembers his first assignment at the Long Island Railroad in 1992, cleaning the employee train station at Hillside, Queens. This is really hard, Free, 52, recalls, thinking to himself, still the Brooklyn native said he was sure to do his job with meticulous detail, even polishing brass fixtures, adding, quote, I'm a believer in no matter what you do, try to be the best at it. And quote, more than three decades later, Free said he brought the same attention to detail as he rode the train from Port Jeff to the first day of his newest job last week. Quote, I made sure all the lights were working in my car. I checked the bathroom, I checked the seat cushion to make sure there was no tape. He said it was just a normal day. End quote. Alfonso A. Castillo reporting on Newsday.com that Robert Free last week assumed the role of acting president of the railroad, replacing Catherine Rinaldi, who did double duty for 18 months as Metro North president and interim LIRR president. Free, a Port Jefferson station resident, said his top priorities are addressing safety, reliability, and the customer experience, including by continuing to improve schedules the LIR RR adopted with the opening of Grand Central Madison earlier this year. Quote, I pretty much know every facet of this operation, even on the engineering side. Free said in an interview Thursday, I think it gives me a deep insight as to what goes on around here and hopefully some insight on how to fix some things around here that we need to fix, end quote. In other news, a growing number of top educators across the state earned $300,000 and up annually with more than 60% of those professionals located on Long Island, according to a Newsday analysis of records from the New York State Teachers Retirement System in Nassau and Suffolk Counties. A total of 44 superintendents and other public education employees reached that payroll level during the 2022-23 school term, up from 41 in 2020-21. Statewide, the number of highly compensated educators totaled 70 last year compared with 59 in 2020. 2021, another 790 educators on Long Island made at least $200,000 in uh, 2022-23 of 13 99 statewide. John Hildebrand and Michael R. Ebert reporting on Newsday.com that high living costs on Long Island often are cited as major reasons for the area's relatively high educator salaries. One regional analyst, analyst who makes the point is uh, Joe Dragone, a longtime school official now serving as adjunct professor at Hofstra University. He cited a 2006 study by the state's education department, which confirmed costs here were far beyond those found in the Mohawk Valley and other inexpensive areas of New York State. Quote, for a school administrator on Long Island, they need to get 42.5% more in salary just to maintain the same standard of living compared to uh, that in a lower cost area of the state, Dragone said. Those in the 300,000-plus pay range included senior administrators and researchers at State University of New York campuses. Top paid educators include two district officials in Suffolk County, recently retired, with final year packages of more than $600,000 and $500,000, respectively. Also in schools, New York State Assemblyperson Fred W. Thiel Jr. is seeking nominations from high schools in his East End Assembly District 1 for the Presidential Scholars Program, which was established by President Lyndon Johnson in 1964 and recognized as high school seniors based on outstanding scholarship. State Education Department Commissioner Betty A. Rosa will consider involvement and its service in school and community, leadership and character, writing samples, academic achievements, heavy workload, family responsibilities, and extraordinary achievement or large hurdles overcome in making her 20 selections. In addition to those nominations, Commissioner Rosa also looking for an additional student to be included as a candidate for uh, recognition for excellence in career and technical education. She'll nominate up to five students in CTE programs. 
uh, considering academic rigor, technical competence, employability skills, as well as ingenuity, creativity, and real-world problem-solving. Letters of nomination no more than two pages long must be received by October 25th. So you've got two more days I would take today to do that. If I were you, submit electronically at thielf, that's T-H-I-E-L-E, F is in Frank at nyassembly.gov or mail to 3350 Noyak Road, Building B in Sag Harbor. That's 11963 here in New York. And finally, the Riverhead IDA scheduled to take up resolution tonight deciding Calverton Aviation and Technology's final capability to develop EPCAL according to the agency's draft October 23 meeting agenda, the determination crucial to how Riverhead's $40 million land deal with CAT will proceed and whether the town board has the ability to cancel the deal. This evening's meeting will be held at the old town hall building that's 200 Howell Avenue, probably one of the last times I say that address in Riverhead. Starting at 5 p.m., the IDA charged with determining whether CAT is qualified and eligible to purchase the property, it could be the deciding factor on the future of EPCAL, according to the IDA. Due to the relocation of equipment to the new town hall, the meeting will not be aired live. How convenient. On Channel 22, it will be broadcast on Zoom. Oh, that's good. This evening at 5 p.m. from the old town hall in Riverhead. Uh, town of Riverhead, NY. .gov to find information about getting onto the Zoom there if you're not able to go in person. Denise Civiletti reporting on RiverheadLocal.com. These are the four potential options to be considered. Option one, the IDA confirms that CAT has the financial ability to develop the proposed project. Uh, at that point, the IDA would continue to review CAT's application for financial assistance i.e. real property tax exemptions, sales and use tax exemptions, and mortgage recording tax exemptions. Option two, the IDA confirms CAT has the financial ability to develop the proposed project but denies the application or financial assistance for other reasons. Uh, that would surprise me if that was the way they went. Option three, the IDA cannot confirm CAT uh, has the financial ability to develop the proposed Project and the IDA denies the application, or option four, the IDA cannot confirm CAT has the financial ability to develop the proposed project, and the IDA continues to review CAT's application for financial assistance. Again, uh, the meeting is tonight at 5 o'clock at the Old Town Hall, 200 Howell Avenue in Riverhead. This could be me the future of EPCAL. Let's see what happens. Standing by, reading the weather in Stony Brook in honor of Dr. Edna Kappenhaas, joining us for the Medical Monday segment at the bottom of the hour, um, underwritten by Jennifer Benton, looking like a mostly sunny Monday with a high near 61 degrees, northwest wind 11 to 15 miles per hour. Oh, pretty breezy. Partly cloudy tonight with a low around 46 degrees. North wind to 5 to 7 miles per hour. Right now it's 48 degrees. Uh, we are nearing the end of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I've got the pink edition of the heart prepared for you. It is a practice run of an all music pink addiction, uh, edition of the heart. So if there's a pink song you love, that means pink in the title or the... Uh, in the title, I'm going with just title on this. Uh, or, you know, you're like, oh, I love that song you played. I want the, definitely want to make sure that one's there. Or I don't like that one. Whatever you want. You can let us know about it. Leave us a voicemail. 631-591-7006. I've got two feet, Lizzo and Aerosmith in your immediate listening future. But kicking it off with, I think it's my favorite one. It really... Uh, it makes me think of myself, actually, especially when I was in high school. This is Sarah Barrios, uh, the Pretty in Pink single of 2021, right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the weekday morning and midnight show that plays music from all decades and genres 
and uh, holds interviews with folks from all walks of life, all morning and midnight long, all because of you, the listener supporter of WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love. Although, to be fair, thought I was strange. In high school, I wasn't a big well, fan of pink. To prom didn't match my date. Now 25 and I still haven't changed. Now I kind of love it. I'm here then I'm there. I changed my mind like I changed my hair.
All right, who hasn't seen the Barbie movie yet? Girl, you better get on that. It's pretty good. I enjoyed it. I think I even, like, ordered it. Like, I paid for it, and now I can watch it at home whenever I want. I show it to my daughter a lot. by the pool come on we got important things to do it's her and her and me and you and pink goes with everything beautiful from head to toe i'm ready to go you know you know it's pink good enough to drink we like other colors but pink just looks so good on us what you wearing dress or suit either way that power looks so good on you hey barbie i like your style if that was really a mirror you see a perfect smile Seven for this one. It's Aerosmith, Pink from the Nine Lives record.
I I wanna wrap you in rubber As pink as the sheets that we lay on Cause pink is my favorite crayon Uh, from Aerosmith to XTC, going back to 89, Pink Thing from the Oranges and Lemons record. I want to actually take a, uh, just a second here. Um, I, I, I got some correspondence over the weekend uh, asking uh, for me to broach the topic of the uh, conflict in the Gaza Strip. And I got an email from Ken Dorf on Saturday. So I just wanted to actually read uh, Ken Dorf's email uh, prefacing his talk. Uh, that's going to be happening on the 28th at 2 p.m. Uh, looks like at the Unitarian Universalist Meeting House. That's 977 Bridge Sag Turnpike. Ken writes, dear friends, I know that you, like me, are horrified by the killing of Israelis and Palestinians. In the past week, several folks have asked me what to think. I really had no intention of giving a talk depressed and exhausted by the return of violence, but I realize that my unique perspective might help frame the issue. Ken continues, I will inevitably focus on the situation of the the Palestinians since it's what I know best. It's also what Americans need to hear since the Palestinian perspective is far less known and understood. At the same time, I care deeply about both Palestinians and Israelis and do not see it as a zero-sum game. Uh, Ken writes that if I explain the Palestinian position, it's with the hopes that greater justice for Palestinians will also benefit Israeli Jews since the current situation is untenable. Uh, He writes, I'm trying to keep the talk short, a brief review of the history, since many have told me they don't know it, uh, sharing my own experiences among the Palestinians and discussion on ways forward what we can do as Americans to move away from violence and toward peace. Uh, that is from Ken Dorf. He's going to be writing an editorial viewpoint in the Southampton Press this week about the conflict, um, which you can look for. Uh, you can find the event on uh, Eventbrite. Again, that's uh, Ken Dorf giving a, a talk about uh, the conflict at the Unitarian Universalist Meeting House at 977 Bridge Sag Turnpike, October 28th at 2 p.m. Uh, I'm Jenna Volpe. Um, I think that Dr. Kappenhaus is calling in. Doctor, are you there? Hi, Gianna. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Thank I'm you for sorry, being with I us. Couldn't, uh, I couldn't uh, reach you guys through the phone number that was given to me, oh, so no. I just got another number from well, Barbara Jill. We are so glad to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So so this is the Medical Monday segment underwritten by Jennifer Benton. Uh, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you are an absolute goddess of the East End as far as um, all of this stuff is, is concerned. You lead the breast surgery program at Stony Brook, Southampton. You're the medical director of the Ellen Hermanson Breast Cancer uh, Center. 
uh, the breast center, excuse me. Um, yes. You were, you were the winning bid on when I uh, helped out Lucia's Angels and did the bra auction. You took home yes. uh, my bra. You are, you, you, there is not much you don't do when it comes to advocating, supporting, and helping women through and and uh, other people people through well, breast so cancer. Um, how did how did you come to be the person you are today? Where did it all begin for you? Well, um, it all began um, when, obviously, uh, you know, when you do a residency and then throughout your general surgery residency, you kind of decide, okay, what specialty I want to go into. Uh, For me, that happened, you know, general surgery residency is five years. For me, that happened during my fourth year. Um, Someone close to me uh, got diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and then I also realized how much progress and how much good news there is in the right. field of breast cancer. So how that we can be optimistic about this. That's, there's no, uh, it's no longer a death sentence right. when you're diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, uh, and also, there's just so much research, and every day there's something new in the field, uh, you know, in detection, in prevention, in screening, in um, and, and treatment of breast cancer. So um, that's where it started out for me um, at that time, and um, it was the best decision I made. I wouldn't do anything else other than what I'm doing. I love, uh, for me, it's not... Obviously, it's not work. It's a career, but it's not even just a career. I, I love going to work. I love what I do. Um, so, um, you know, you get to develop this relationship with your patients um, where you get to know them personally. And, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you, you know, you kind of know their families through their eyes. You know, when they come in, they talk about different things. Um, so it's a very, very rewarding uh, field to be in. Plus, you know, a lot of women get to live longer and longer, and majority of women who get diagnosed with breast cancer actually die of something else, you know, old age or other things uh, other than uh, breast cancer. Right. And it's such a prevalent uh, prevalent disease. Um, you know, oftentimes when I give a talk to, to an audience, um, you know, you when you ask them, you know, if any of you guys had breast cancer or know someone who had breast cancer and breast cancer had touched their lives, you know, raise your hands. And uh, most of the people in in the room, in the audience, uh, you know, raise their hands because we all know someone, you know, if we weren't affected ourselves, we all know someone that was affected by it. Right. And you touched on early detection, screening, treatment. The The UCLA health website says... 3.5 3.5 million breast cancer survivors can thank such uh, for their lives. Uh, do you want to touch on that topic, especially? Yeah, the month? yeah. I mean, I think um, actually, you said 3.5 is uh, currently. Mm, it's Probably actually more, more than 4 million, more than it. 4 million breast cancer survivors in the U.S. And that includes uh, women who finish their tre- treatments and those who are still being treated. I think for us to start uh, talking about uh, prevention, uh, it's also important to talk a little bit about statistics and how prevalent uh, this disease is. So um, it's actually the most common cancer, except skin Skin cancer, cancer, obviously. Yeah, skin cancer is the first, and then literally after that is breast cancer among women. Um, And uh, American Cancer Society's estimate for 2023 in U.S., it's almost, it's 298,000, so almost 300,000 invasive uh, breast cancers will be diagnosed, and additional, an additional 56,000 cases of DCIS, which is stage zero cancer. Unfortunately, uh, about 44,000 women will also die from breast cancer. Now, oftentimes we forget to talk about men with breast cancer right. because it's such an uncommon disease, but I think it's also important to know that 2,800 men will be diagnosed with breast cancer uh, this year. Um, and 
530 of them, uh, 530 men will die from it in U.S. Uh, this year. So it's so prevalent. So uh, overall, the average risk of developing breast cancer among women is 13%. So it's one in eight right. uh, during their lifetimes. But it's also it's encouraging to know that this means that seven in eight chance that they won't they will never have the disease. So uh, it's also good to look at it that way. Um, You know, we talked about the lifetime risk in women. Just to compare, the lifetime risk in men is 1 in 833. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. So, you know, uh, the incidence in U.S., it actually, in the past, it started decreasing in year 2000. It dropped by 7%, which is huge, between 2002 and 2003. For, for men or men and women? For No, for, for uh, actually, well, men is so little that it really takes a little bit, the overall incidence rate Got it. Okay. Uh, in U.S. began, it, it, mostly, I think, in women, because... Um, one theory was because due to reduced use of hormone replacement therapy. Interesting. Uh, you know, yeah. So at that time, there was this huge study. Uh, the results suggested that there's a connection between the use of hormone replacement therapy and, and the, the increased risk of breast and cancer. That's, and that's something that happens after menopause or when does HRT, when is that used? Well, uh, HRT is actually mostly, mostly it's used after menopause. When a woman goes into menopause, they have postmenopausal or, symptoms. Or somebody transitioning, so, perhaps. Uh, you know, uh, true. Okay. Uh, that's more of um, in, in more of a recent thing. You know, okay. transitioning using so the they, hormone therapy. They can't really therapy. look at it, right? Yeah, I think honestly, in a few years, it's going to take a few years to realize what are um, the unfortunate, um, you know, yeah, possible. Yeah. But I think that that increased risk is still going to be relevant anytime you use hormone replacement therapy. And in general, it's about, you know, this increase uh, is about four years of use. Um, Now, Unfortunately, I said in the past, you know, the drop was like 7% between just 2002 and 2003. But in recent years, the incidence rates have increased by about 0.5% per year. So climbing back Um, up. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And, um, you know, mortality, actually dying from breast cancer, have uh, declined over time also, but is still the second leading cause of cancer, cancer death among women overall after lung cancer. Um, And another um, uh, unfortunate thing is that, uh, you know, overall, obviously, it's unfortunate, but black women have the highest death rate from breast cancer because um, they... Um, are more likely to have triple negative breast cancer. So, in fact, one in five black women who get diagnosed with breast cancer have the triple negative breast what is, cancer. What is triple negative breast cancer? So, triple negative, so every tumor gets checked whether uh, it's hormonally driven or not. So, whether it has estrogen receptors or progesterone receptors so you can treat the tumor uh, with anti-hormonal, anti-hormonal therapy. Um, and when everything is negative, when it doesn't have an estrogen, when the tumor doesn't have estrogen receptor or progesterone receptor or the HER2, those are three things, then we call it a triple negative. Um, and those tumors uh, generally are generally more aggressive. Um, the mortality uh, in general is higher with those type of uh, you have less cancers. You have less tools to, to exactly. go after it. You're absolutely... That is exactly what it is. Yes. Awful. Yeah. And so, the, you know, and another thing is that we said black women have the higher mortality. They also have, have higher chance of being diagnosed with breast cancer before age of 40 than, um, you know, than the white women. Um, so, uh, are, are, do the, are there any theories as to why that is? Um, yeah, I 
you know, I really don't know what that is, why that is, and I don't know if there's any data explaining why. Uh, I, I imagine there's research. Time. There's research looking into it, though, right? I hope so. I mean, there's a lot of research. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, you know, every year uh, there is a lot of funds that are dedicated to breast cancer uh, research. Thankfully, so there's a lot of lot of progress in breast cancer. Right, and we have, so we have we, an amazing amount of of uh, support organizations. Uh, we mentioned Lucha's Angels. There's the coalition. Uh, for uh, gynecological cancers like breast and gynecological cancers. Uh, yeah, and of course we have many Ellen resources Hermanson. that are yes. available. Yeah, yeah. The resources are actually as a result of Ellen Hermanson Foundation Community yes. Partners. Yes. Um, you know, basically they're all, uh, you know, I don't know how much time we have, but, you know, keep I going. can name some of them. Go right ahead. I'm sorry? I said keep oh, going, so, go ahead. Okay, so these are actually, you know, uh, it unites Ellen Hermanson Foundation grant recipients. What they, what I'm just going to name them. So some of the partners is the uh, the Bridgehampton Childcare and Recreational Center, Absolutely. the Ellen Hermanson Foundation, OLA, the or, uh, organization Latino yes. Americana of Eastern Long Island. Uh, the retreat, uh, of course, the Stony Brook Southampton Hospital's Ellen Hermanson Breast Center, and the Stony Brook Medicine's Phillips Family Cancer Center, uh, as well as the Stony Brook Southampton Hospital Shinnecock Health Center. Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of help uh, available. Um, and nobody gets turned away. Obviously, at the breast center, anybody has insurance. They don't have insurance. They're documented, not documented. It doesn't matter. Everybody gets treated the same, and nobody gets turned away. Um, and we have all kinds of imaging available at the breast center, everything. We have all kinds of biopsies, um, and all of them are done by specialists who are specifically trained in this field. Um, the other thing that I think it's very, very important to talk about is uh, early detection. Yes. So early detection uh, means that the tumor is picked up when it's smaller, obviously early stage, and therefore uh, that would translate into higher cure rate. Right. Um, so before, before, it, before it has a chance also to metastasize to other parts of the body, that's absolutely super important. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, uh, we recommend um, for average risk women um, to start their annual, uh, to start their screening at age 40 and then every year after that. When I say average risk, and we, we can touch upon these things just a little bit, I know we're short on time, uh, you know, averages we talked and, about. And doctor, you know. should, I mean, uh, for black women, for, for women of color, yes. Uh, I, yes. maybe start earlier than 40, 40 your annual screening. Um, well, you know, it all depends on, that would be a conversation between, between uh, the woman and their, do between, and their doctor. Or, yeah, and yes. their doctors, because, you know, other things are taken into account also, you know, family history, right. whether, you know, they're high risk because, because of some other uh, factors. Right. Um, so, you know, mammography, so we said 40 for average risk, 40 and then yearly after that. And women who have dense breast tissue, we also recommend a sonogram right. to supplement the mammogram because when you're very dense, it's harder to see things on the mammogram, right. and therefore we get a sonogram. Now, if a, a woman is at a higher risk, you know, again, when we take into account all the other things, and we, you know, uh, higher risk uh, if they have family history of, or if they're gene positive uh, or uh, a of other things. That, or they, uh, you know. Yeah, so, so you know, just very quickly, tissue. some of the risk factors, I mean, some of the risk factors, uh, you know, lifestyle-related stuff like alcohol, so if you drink one alcohol a day, that increased risk of uh, breast cancer about 7 to 10%. Wow. Just, just to give you an idea, and two to three drinks a day, it's like 20% higher. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's real. 
So being overweight or obese after menopause, that's a risk factor. If you're not physically active, that's it. That's it. Risk factor. And then, you know, other risk factors like not having children or having your first uh, uh, child after age 40, uh, 30, I'm sorry, after age 30, uh, not breastfeeding, um, birth control, use of birth control. Um, and as we discussed, hormone replacement therapy, especially um, when it's combined, estrogen and progesterone. Um, you know, uh, bioidentical hormone therapy, until we have more information about this and more studies are done, they really should be considered the same uh, as, uh, you know, the regular hormone replacement therapy with the same health risks. Um, and then, you know, estrogen alone is kind of mixed data about that. Uh, you know, sometimes patients ask, how about breast implants? Um, implants by themselves have not been linked with an increased risk of uh, the most common type of breast cancer, but in rare cases, they've been linked with other types of cancer, which um, is called breast implant-associated anaplastic large-cell lymphoma or other kind of lymphomas, as well as squamous cell carcinoma. Um, and then, of course, there are risk factors that you can't change, right? Being a female, getting older, if you you know, have a genetic mutation, the most popular and well-known ones are the uh, BRCA1 and 2, right. uh, which is actually more common among uh, Ashkenazi Jewish population. Um, just to give you an idea, um, BRCA1 can increase the risk up to 72%, that's lifetime risk, and BRCA2 up to 69% lifetime risk. Wow. And also BRCA2 is linked with male breast cancer. Um, and we talked about family history, so having one first-degree relative, it doubles your risk. Uh, two first-degree, it's like threefold. Um, so all of these, and we can go on and on. If you had breast cancer in the past, that's that's by itself is a risk factor. Um, race, so white women are slightly more likely to develop breast cancer than African-American women. Um, and dense breast tissue is a risk factor. Other stuff like atypical, ductal or lobular hyperplasia and LCIS, which is lobular carcinoma in situ, those are risk factors. And if you go into menopause late and you start your period early, so early before age 12, and late menopause typically after age 55, uh, also risk factors. Interesting. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So I've learned so much from you this morning. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Kapanas, right, so we'll, we'll give folks the, the email, uh, the uh, URL, ellenhermanson.org, right, to, to stay in contact and find out more about the Ellen Hermanson Breast Center. Absolutely. I hope you'll come back with us. Anytime. Please Thank do. you for having me. I think this is a very important thing we're doing S just to shed some light how prevalent this disease is. Super, yeah. super important. Dr. Edna Kappenhaus, the leader of the breast surgery program at Stony Brook Southampton Hospital and the medical director of the Ellen Hermanson Breast Center. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Dr. Kappenhaus. This is Brandy Shearer, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome, and you just heard the Medical Monday segment amidst Breast Cancer Awareness Month, uh, continuing the pink edition of The Heart with Pink Lady from Brandy's 2007 record, Close to Dark, on WLIWFM.
saw it written and I saw it say From Nick Drake to Chapel Roan, leading you into the NPR news break with Pink Pony Club, single from 2020. It's the pink edition of the heart here on WLI WFM. I know you wanted me to stay, but I can't ignore the crazy visions of me in LA. I heard that there's a special place where boys and girls can all be queens every single day. I'm having wicked dreams of leaving Tennessee You Santa Monica, I swear it's calling me Won't make my mama proud, it's gonna cause a scene She sees her baby girl, I know she's gonna scream God, what have you done? You're a pink pony girl, and you dance at the club Southern draw a thousand miles away saying, God. 